Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Aaron Ryan. This week, Alyssa Mastermonico joins to discuss how little the young royals care for the young Trumps. Also, Hope Hicks, our lady of perpetual self-pity, and whether Elizabeth Warren was right to shun Fox News. Then it's a Keep It Hysteria crossover episode when Kara Brown joins Megan Gailey and Tian Tran to talk about competition and how it brings out our best and our worst. And this week, another special treat as I chat with Rebecca Nagel, the host of This Land, a new crooked media podcast on the murder that led to a Supreme Court case that could determine the fate of a man in half of the land in Oklahoma. And, as if that wasn't enough, the hills will die on. Before we get started, a little bit of housekeeping. If you want to submit a hill that you'll die on, record a 30-second voice memo on your phone and send it to hysteria at crooked.com. I just want to make a note that there are so many of you with really, really ardent opinions about things that don't matter. And every time I take a look at our inbox and it is full of hills, I tear up a little bit. It means that much to me that you guys are such petty assholes. I just, I, I love you guys so much. <laughs> Second, merch is in the works and I'm biased, but it is great. Third, I'm trying a new thing where I give a shout out to a special group of listeners. Guys, this episode is extra long this week, which is just because we have extra interviews, extra good stuff with Alyssa and a really great conversation about competition. So I'm dedicating this episode to people who are currently caught in traffic. The episode is long enough that hopefully it will outlast whatever frustration you're dealing with behind the wheel. Now let's get the show started. Hello. Hello. How are you? How are you? I'm very sad today. Why are you sad? Okay. So this is very random. And once I say it, I'll be over it. But I was sitting here like an hour ago and I got an email from the vet I no longer go to because they fucking suck telling me that it was time for Bunny's checkup and Bunny died a year ago and they should know that. that terrible customer service. That is terrible customer service. Terrible Lisa. customer service. Do better. Oh, I'm very sorry. Thank you. I, I got it off my chest. I feel better now. That's, that's good. Bun was a queen. <laughs> is a queen and is currently resting in power. She is resting in power, my precious. And I was just thinking about her the other day because the bachelorette is back on and she was always <laughs> my ride or die. And I'm like, oh, I miss her because Midge doesn't really get into it the way Bun did. But I, I shouldn't be laughing. It's not no, funny. funny. I, I totally no, understand. <laughs> it's funny. It's like, but that's the thing. It's like, have you watched Dead to Me on Netflix? I haven't made it all the way through yet, but I have been, yes. The funny, the thing I think is funny about that is that it's like about grief and trauma, but it also makes me laugh out loud, which was kind of what just happened. So like, whoa, life, life imitating art. You're just dead to me. <laughs> I just dead to you. <laughs> oh man. Well, you know, it's funny just about cats watching TV. Eleanor is obsessed with the television. I think because when I was gone for a long time, I had a cat sitter who stayed at my place in New York and she, she watched her. And she like would put videos of birds on and thought it was real funny when Eleanor would like try to paw at them. And now Eleanor really likes Wolf Blitzer. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. It's my TV isn't like it's mounted on a wall, but she'll sometimes stand on her hind legs and try to like touch Wolf Blitzer's face. It's so weird. So So we had a similar thing because David loves to watch golf, my husband, and I would find Bun of all people. I was like, you're cheating on me. He would be like (laughs) sitting in front of the television watching the golf girls golf balls go back and forth. And I was like, girl, don't cheat on me. And so now I just don't keep that on in the background anymore. (laughs) That makes sense. I think that's totally fair. Well, let me try to segue from that into the topic we were going to talk about today. Are you ready for this, Alyssa? Let's do it. Let's talk about it. I think I can do it. Speaking of things that are watched on television and that are displays that don't really have very much understanding and awareness behind them, the president and the first family were in the UK this week. Wasn't that something? Like, It should have been hosted or or it should have been sponsored by National Lampoons. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this and I know a lot of people have talked about talked about this on Pod Save America. People have been talking about it on the news. And I was trying to think, is there a bigger theme that we're seeing at work here? Like, I find myself tempted to get way too invested in superficial little bullshit stories about optics and things that don't ultimately matter. But then I was thinking... In Donald Trump's world, superficial bullshit and photo ops and protests and displays are the most important thing. So in that way, I think that us discussing the full humiliation that the family experienced over in the UK is a serious policy discussion. It's not. It's not. But it's like cathartic, you know? It's well, let's talk about a couple things. So first, he took the whole clan with him, right? And so the queen had only invited POTUS and Flotus. But Don Jr., Eric, Eric's wife, Tiff, who we should get to in a minute, and then Jared and Ivanka all go. They have all these outfits and like they literally treated it like it was their coronation when it wasn't. Let's be honest. The Mm -hmm. queen did this holding her nose. You know, she was like, I got to do it. I'm the world's greatest diplomat and I'm going to let them come. Mm -hmm. And they did. And they took full advantage as displayed on Instagram, you know, real diplomacy happening when they're just like selfieing themselves at 10 downing. Yeah. While all of the United Kingdom is laughing at them and booing them. Right. Did you see that footage of Ivanka and uh, John Bolton walking through a courtyard and just getting hit, like yeah. hailed Talk with booze. Spectacular lack of self-awareness. Like if I knew people were going to boo me, like I just would have like gotten in the car and gone, but they were like, no, they couldn't possibly be booing us. Cause we're awesome. You're not awesome. No one thinks you're awesome. You know who really doesn't think you're awesome? Boris Johnson. Donald Trump basically endorses him on the flight into London. And did you see the video, the Boris Johnson video that they put on the side of like Big Ben or whatever. No, I, I try not to look at that oh, man's face when I can avoid it. B. It was spectacular. He said that he felt bad for he he would not bring Donald Trump to London because he wouldn't want to like inflict that. He wouldn't want to infect the people of London with him. He destroyed him. And it was amazing because clearly Donald Trump really doesn't read any of the clips or anything people give him because it was no secret. It was on television. He called him a risk. He called, like he destroyed him and Donald Trump knew nothing of it and was just like, I think he's awesome and he should be prime minister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really enjoyable. They're all kind of on their own little private family planet. One of the things that I thought was the really funny was that you mentioned Instagram, Alyssa, um, and, and the Trump clan's 
obsession with selfieing themselves. Here's who wasn't obsessed with pictures of themselves with the Trumps, the young royals. The young royals who, <laughs> if you Google uh, Prince Harry or Prince William Obama, uh, Duchess Kate Obama, there's a ton of pictures. There's pictures of President Obama playing with their kid. There's pictures of, but if you look at pictures of Prince Harry, you can, there's one picture of him kind of scowling next to Ivanka. But if you look at him and Meghan's royal Instagram that they have together, there are no pictures at all or no acknowledgement of the Trump family visit, but there is a Pride Month post. So what do you make of the young royals uh, kind of social media snubbing of the Trumps? Well, I think it was generous because they could have done, they could have like flat out, they could have trolled them a bit, you know, like they did at Buckingham Palace when they served fish for dinner the night that Trump was there. I thought that was so good. Wait, does he not, I don't, explain to me why that's trolling. I don't know. So does he like not like fish? So, you know, he, like he, the whole big to do in Japan when he went to see Prime Minister Abe was that they served hamburger American style and that they sort of like genuflected as mm-hmm. it relates to the menu and Trump's preferences. They had like steamed fish and salad. <laughs> it's just so good because, you know, he just left so hungry in his tight little small tucks. But the the royals, I mean, here was my view of them. It's like, remember that meme of Sean Spicer when he was like hiding in the bushes and he was like Homer Simpson and he kept fading back into the bushes. I feel like those were the royals. They were like, we're here, but we're not really here. Like all the pictures, like Harry's not even turning around. He's talking to other people like Mm -hmm. in the room that they were in. I forget what they were looking at, but. No, I think that they know. Look, the fact that Donald Trump had some sort of motherfucking epiphany when he spoke with Prince Charles and was like, that man is really into climate. And you know what? (laughs) He isn't just into it, but like he's obviously going to die. So it's not about him. It's about the younger generation. And I think that that's wonderful. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Like like he said that with a straight face to Piers Morgan. Like, like he was being sincere. Yeah. Another thing that was really kind of head scratching besides everything was the uh, fact that Donald Trump doesn't seem to understand what NHS is. NHS, oh the, the the socialized medicine system in the UK that that is like funded by the government and the taxpayers. And that is, I think, the largest uh, largest single payer system in the world. Yeah. And he didn't know what it was, but he suggested it could be on the table during trade talks, which there, it was like, like, and how, okay. What, what does that even mean? You ding dong. Yeah. What? I, I don't, I don't know, but you know, the, the visit was somewhat fun to watch because it was nice to see people from another part of the world who were so engaged with uh, how repugnant our leader is that they were willing to to take time off of work to inflate an enormous baby balloon to boo Ivanka like UK denizens. You guys are the real heroes. You know this what? Week. We we genuflect. We gen- we is, genuflect. That was spectacular, and they were so creative. Like we could take a page a bit from some of the stuff they were doing. It was just the John McCain hat that was yeah. being projected. Yes. Delicious, delicious. Thank you, UK, for giving us life for yes. the month of June, it was, or at least this week. It was great. You know, on one hand, I'm glad the Revolutionary War happened, but sometimes I'm like, you know what, Ma? You're all right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
agree. Agree. Okay, let's move on to something Why? that is non-symbolic. <laughs> uh, in, in non-symbolic news, former Trump confidant Hope Hicks, um, America's patron saint of never, ever being at fault, uh, is currently ignoring a congressional subpoena. Alyssa, what do you think happens next? <sighs> nothing. I think nothing happens because nothing's happening. Like... The thing that I don't understand is that if you, I guess if you deny rules, you don't have to live by them, right? And so Hope I mean, if you're white and pretty and correct, rich, then correct. yes, you can just pretend that rules don't exist. And for a short period of time, you can be like Wiley Coyote running off a cliff and not looking down yet. You still can like go straight, but eventually you have to look down and fall, right? Eventually it happens. And so Hope Hicks, and this is the interesting one for me, because there are rules or there have been historically rules that, you know, there there are levels in the White House um, in the most senior positions. There's assistant to the president, which is the highest, deputy assistant, and then special assistant. The reason, and there there are limited numbers of these positions, specifically assistant to the president. I think it's it's congressionally limited to 25 for the following reason. Those positions have historically been able to claim executive privilege. Okay. Now, what is interesting to me is that they're claiming privilege. I believe Hope Hicks was an assistant to the president. So we can put her to the side for a second. But Annie Donaldson was Don McGahn's chief of staff. I do not see a world in which they can claim privilege for her because she was not an assistant to the president. Mm -hmm. And so me being a nerd, like that alone is like, I just don't even see it. I don't see how the Republicans can even abide that one. But, you know, Hope Hicks had her moment on the cover of the New York Times. Will she or won't she? And right, they no longer use the word existential. I think you said when mm -hmm. they updated the article. Yes, they got rid of that one word. But the other thing that's interesting is that what they have come to say, the, the recent thing is that they're not turning over any of the documents that the, the congressional oversight is asking for. Why, as a non-employee, does she still have documents? Yeah. And why, as a non-employee, does she still have executive privilege? That's another that, thing. So that, correct. And I just don't understand how any of this... I mean, it, it it doesn't hold up in court, but like, when's it going to get to court? It's just the whole thing. So fucking stupid. Honestly, it's like trying to play Monopoly with a chicken that cheats. Or like, it, like, it whack doesn't a mole with more than one mole. <laughs> yeah, it's like whack-a-mole and they're like, oh no, there's this whole other whack-a-mole board in the back room that you're supposed to be whacking. And you're like, I didn't even know that it existed. How exactly. am I supposed to whack it? Ugh, it's frustrating, but I'm sure that this will unfold in a completely slow and unsatisfactory way. Yeah, probably. Let's, let's bring it home with something a little bit more upbeat. Mm. Um, Elizabeth Warren. <sighs> Elizabeth Warren, our girl Liz. Oh, my God. Alyssa. Guess Have you I, seen my Persist merch? I did. I saw your Persist merch, but also um, on Instagram today, I'm friends with this woman named Mallory McMorrow, who is a state senator in Michigan. And the other yes. day she got to introduce Elizabeth Warren. And I, it was like on her Insta story. And I was like, oh my God, Mallory. Oh, but, at her big event. Yeah. Lansing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh she, yeah, that was good. She got to introduce her, which is so cool uh, for the, I think that's her, it's her first term as a state senator for Mallory. And I'm like so psyched for her that she got to do that. But Elizabeth Warren, has been making the rounds. She's been, you know, kind of delivering it 
wherever she goes. She recently made some comments about not appearing on Fox News because she doesn't mm-hmm. want to she doesn't want to bring them ad dollars. What do you think about that, Alyssa? So I was shouting at the television in a good way as she was going deep and explaining this. And for anyone who did not catch her on the view, she basically said, here's the deal. They are like this hate-mongering, propaganda, money-making machine. And uh, by me, Elizabeth, going on, they can tell advertisers that they're even-handed. They know they will get tremendous ratings so they can sell advertising at a higher rate and make tons of money off of her going on Fox. And everyone has not listened. I feel like no one's really listened to what she was saying because everyone, including like Republicans and Democrats, are like, but you need to talk to the voters. Well, first of all, the people watching Fox are not by and large primary voters, but also especially not for Democrats. She is talking to people where they live. Like she's gone to West Virginia. She's gone to Tennessee. She's going to what on television they would call C and D counties, which are uh, poorer and less populated, um, who are big watchers of Fox News, but she's going to those places herself. And she's talking to people. And I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but when she went to West Virginia, there were people to talk about the opioid crisis to Kermit, I think it was Kermit, West Virginia. She walked in and people were like, yo, I voted for Trump. And at the end they were like, you're cool. I could maybe vote for you. So is the treatment she's going to get on Fox going to lead people to that conclusion? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Or is going to where they live and talking about the things they really care about going to do it? Because the problem is, is that like now the few Democrats who have gone on Fox, I'm very fired up about this if you can't tell. I'm glad. They're they're doing a shtick, right? And I love some of them. I love them as people. They have great policies. But going on Fox News and then taking a dump on them during their town hall, it's fine. I guess it's going to the belly of the beast and saying like, you're bad. But at the same time now, like Fox is prepared for that move. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, what's the point? Because it also just comes off as staged. And the one thing that I think is great about EW is that she just kind of like lets her free flag fly. Like she says what she wants, when she wants. And I find her to be one of the least staged people running right now. Mm -hmm. So, and I love that that's how she felt and she stuck to her guns and she defended it. Even when people tried to twist her argument and say, you don't care about people who watch Fox News. She was like, fucking stop that. That's Mm -hmm. not at all the truth. So I was super down with it. And I don't think it's going to hurt her at all. Yeah, I think that that's a really interesting point. And also, Alyssa, I wanted to... It, listening to you talk about Fox News and the gap between what Fox News is and who the people are raises a really important point that I think like all candidates should think about going into 2020 is that Fox News is a bunch of people who make six figures or more who mm-hmm. have access to like all the best schools, all the best. You know, they live in New York City. They live in Washington. They live in urban centers. And what they're doing is selling they're what they're they're selling something to people who don't look or live anything like the way that they look or live. And exactly going Elizabeth Warren going to talk to the people rather than talking to some kind of spray tanned tooth whitening ad in a <laughs> on a sound stage is so much more a reflection of a genuine concern for the real people rather than a concern for the media. And I think that it's it's important for candidates to know that like you can be concerned about appearing even keeled to the media, which is going on Fox News, which actually a lot of real people don't care about. 
Does that make sense? I mean, yes. I don't know. I don't know. I'm from a place where people are Trump voters and fucking nobody looks or lives like anybody who is on Fox News. And I'm not saying that for better or worse. It's just a different. It's just different. And to pretend that Fox News is somehow the voice of those people is so, so disingenuous. And I, I hate it. And I want it to end. I'm glad Elizabeth Warren is doing her part. Me too. And you know what? And I really don't think it's going to there's no I don't think there's going to be any tangible diff. I don't think there's going to be any like blowback. Like, I don't think she's going to suffer for not having done the Fox news town hall instead. Like tonight she's doing the Chris Hayes town hall in Indiana. And I'm excited to see that. But I actually do think that MSNBC, because they do try to appear more fair and balanced, they do bring more people to their town halls who like some people love her. Some people already support her. Some people don't like her at all. Some of the questions they, the candidates get are from people who are already declared to support someone else. So I just think Mm -hmm. it's like, for me, I personally will learn more from that than I would watching a town hall on Fox. Mm-hmm, right. And it's also, even if MSNBC is also like partisan to the left, that's what we're looking for in a Democratic primary town hall. We want to know what the partisan to the left questions are for right. our candidates. And also, we don't, we, let us not forget, they were not exactly super nice to Barack Obama. And they weren't over the top, you know, tilted towards Hillary either. Like, that's the thing. I think that I guess maybe being closer to fair and balanced means you're a left wing socialist these days. Yeah, I guess. Well, uh, what's what's the word that social? Thanks, comrade, Master Monica. <laughs> <laughs> it was great talking to you, per usual, and uh, we'll talk again in a week. All right, talk to you. We have to take a break, but when we come back, more hysteria. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, (laughs) not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you 
stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have to. I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on oh. a, like a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh yeah. you've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. It's yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch okay. napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like— Denim shirt. Denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And, of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. It's perfect. He is, like, I think my my dad is one of those people that just, like, beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're— they look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Imagine bold, naturally aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger eating handfuls of thick-cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag, taking a bite out of an irresistibly bold block of extra-sharp cheddar cheese. (sighs) We know you want to get back to streaming, but wasn't it nice to daydream about cheese for a bit? Tillamook Cheddar. Extraordinary Dairy.
Welcome back to more Hysteria. We've gotten to the part of the show called Personal Political, where we talk for a long time about things we think about a lot. And I'm going to introduce our panel today in no particular order because it's not a competition. (laughs) First up, first up. Wow. First time you've been first up. (laughs) Yeah. First up, we have actor and comedian Tian Tran. How are you, Tian? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It feels like it's been a minute. Oh, happy Pride, by the way. Thank you. I wore my shirt because last time I wore it, I covered it. By yeah. accident, so now I want to make sure that it's featured. In the photo. Featured in the photo, yeah. And can you read your shirt to our listeners? Because this is an audio says, medium. Oh, yes. It says Gaijin seven times. <laughs> if you can't see it the first time, you'll see it one other time. That's great. No, yeah. it's it's a great shirt. It's like one of those thank you bags, yes. but Gaijin. Gaijin. Instead. It's great. It's my it's We my moved right of... from Asian American Month into Gay oh. Pride. So Oh, it's like a it's back to back for me. Celebration. <laughs> That's exciting. Next up, we have overalls wearer, actor, and comedian Megan Gailey. Hi. How are you doing, Megan? I'm good. I think of this as a jumpsuit, but overalls <laughs> is probably it's denim. I know, I know. It's just tough to go from Gaijin to this bitch from Indiana. As an overalls. <laughs> <laughs> how uh, how have you been? I guess it's not been that long. Oh, you know what? I saw you over Memorial Day. Oh yeah, and I was stressed. Um, oh yeah, your parents. Your okay. When I met your parents, I was like, this makes perfect sense. Yeah. Megan's parents make exact perfect, exact perfect sense. Yeah, I learned throwing a party in the rain with your parents in town is not a good combination. Oh, it was did, fun. Did though. they have fun at the Americana? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom thought it was beautiful. We laid on the grass. We saw Booksmart together. We watched Kids with Bubbles. It's a magical place. It was a big weekend. It was it a was. big weekend. It was. And last but not least, our very special guest, mm-hmm. who I cannot believe has not been on Hysteria yet, and I'm so glad that she's here, Kara Brown. Oh, hello. Hey. I'm here. Does it feel weird to be here two days in a row? It's, I mean, it's a lot. We're back here. There's still no one working in this office. I'm sitting in the same seat. Uh, It feels, it actually does feel a little weird because I'm in the exact same seat and like seeing like our producers sitting, like everything when I look out looks like Keep It is happening. (laughs) Um, But, but it's not, but we're here for hysteria. Yeah. There's a sign behind us that reminds you. Yeah, no, that's very helpful. You can catch it in your peripheral vision and be like, oh yeah, okay. Me and Ira look a lot alike. Exactly. (laughs) We we get that a lot. We're uh, similarly sweaty people as well. I will try to, uh, I'll try to catch myself before I start calling you Ira. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, I would understand if you slipped up and you did. But, right. But um. this is actually appropriate because you're sitting in and Tian, you're sitting in Lewis's seat. Oh, OK, great. So, you know, since he is also <gasps> a gay, for gay, gay Asian woman. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's going to love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this week, guys, we are guys, girls, uh, peoples. Um, I wanted to talk about competition and I wanted to start with uh, Kara. So when you think about competition between women, between men, what does it mean for you? What does it mean for yourself? Um, I just immediately go back to uh, when my dad made me start doing team sports uh, when I was younger because I used to do gymnastics and he was like, you need to learn how to interact with other people <laughs> in, like a, in a, an environment. And, um, and I played a lot of sports growing up. So I think of like that sort of competitive um, nature that was built into me then. Um, and then now, I mean, it sucks because I work in Hollywood, right? So when I think of competition, I just think of such fucking assholes. Mm-hmm. I just think yeah. of like the nature of this industry and like the type of people and the way they compete in kind of like an underhanded, dirty way, um, as opposed to being a little bit more obvious with like, hey, man, 
we're all just like, obviously we're in competition. Mm -hmm. Like it's weird. Like that's the thing about Hollywood where people sort of act like you're not, even though you're in competition in a lot of different um, arenas and industries. And so I don't know why people act like this is different. Yeah. I mean, it, it is kind of weird to deal with people who somehow in their minds can't seem to reconcile the idea that you can be competing with someone and also really respect someone and also be sort of rooting for them and be mm-hmm. happy for them when they get something. Those are like, those are complicated feelings for adults to feel when they're emotionally evolved. And I think a lot of people in this town are not very emotionally evolved enough wow. to handle competition. Gosh, this town, more people are going to therapy than probably any city in the country and <laughs> not emotionally involved enough to handle positive competition. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like a waste of a lot of money and time. Um, Tian, you played sports as a kid. Do you have a an association with competition that is positive as a result of that? Um, I, I mean, I played a lot. I played soccer mm-hmm. growing up, and that was like the main thing that I played from the age of four until college. And I just remember, for me, it was just the camaraderie between everyone. My best friends were on the soccer team. I like loved playing with them. I loved hanging out with them. We were very, I mean... We were very positive to one another. I do remember one time there was one girl on my team who ended up playing for the Women's World Cup and, oh, wow. and won in uh, 2015, right? Oh, she sucks. <laughs> but I remember being so jealous of her when she was on our team. She was younger than us and was way better than all of us. And I remember a group of us were like, mean to her, <laughs> which I now regret so much because I can't Instagram her and be like, hey, remember when we were on that team together? Congratulations. I was mean to you for a little bit. Uh, but for the most part, very positive. And I feel like, you know, when you're on a team sport, you learn how to like work together and like leadership skills and all those positive feel good things I learned from like playing on a soccer team. Mm-hmm. It seems like there is a definite break in good competition and bad competition. Right before we started recording, you guys were talking about The Real Housewives. I've never <laughs> seen an episode of The Real Housewives, uh, but Megan and Kara, both fans of The Real Housewives. Oh, yeah. So Megan, I want to throw a Housewives-related question to you for the first time ever. Yes, on this thank podcast. you. Oh my God. <laughs> if I fuck this up, kick me off the podcast. <laughs> um, so I feel like The Real Housewives is a sort of showcase of a different type of female competition. Uh, what kinds of competition do you witness on reality TV shows that feature women? I honestly think something that comes into the storylines now is is how much money they make and sort of their outside businesses. Like a lot of them are selling Pinot Grigios or jewelry. pink dog food, jewelry. and Pink dog food? Pink dog food. Cameron, yeah. yes, girl. Like, the dog, like mm-hmm. the dog food is pink? The dog food, well, when you see it, it's a, she wants it to be pink, pink, but it's brown and pink. pink. So it just looks like barf. Kind of, but like it's doing well. And even her <laughs> oh husband God. has been like, I don't think this is going to work. And listen, she's got buyers in China loving it. pink then? I think so, yeah. And it's got a little bit of like glittery to it as well. Oh, no. So there's a lot of, they seem competitive with their relationships, their finances, kind of the things that I think, you know, quote unquote, normal women are too, but we also get to see the backstories of them talking shit about them. And that's something in your friendships you do. I assume my friends are, you know, when I'm doing weird things or having problems, they're talking shit about me, but I don't have to see it or hear it. And then when I see them, they're lovely to my face. But with reality TV, they (laughs) then see it and are confronted with it and And that's sort of when the hostilities arise. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's an interesting point you bring up about material competition. I feel like now, maybe more than when I was a kid, or maybe I just notice it more, it feels like a sort of, I feel like women are more materially competitive now than I remember them being when I was younger. Have Have any of you noticed that? You know what I think though about in relation to that, to the reality TV stuff, I actually think that the type of competition you see from women, that materialism, like competing for men, obviously something like The Bachelor or, or whatever, um, I think it's the same type of competition that men engage in, but we don't like seeing it coming from women mm-hmm. because men are constantly talking about like the idea of like fast cars and watches and all yeah. that stupid shit and how much money they have. That to me feels like a very male type of competition. Chasing after women seems like a fair, you know, like I don't know that it's more male or female. Email, but when we see women doing it in more of an like overt, obvious way where they really are just like, I'm trying to have more Gucci bags than this woman. Mm-hmm. That's like these same dudes that are like, I have a bigger Lamborghini. I don't know. Are they yeah. bigger or yeah. expensive or whatever they but. I think it's the same type of thing, but we just don't like seeing it coming from women. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Um, well, we hate women. <laughs> <laughs> See, I honestly think that, like, I was just thinking about if there was a male house husband, yeah. like if a reality one, and I don't think I would be interested in watching that. Maybe that's just because I find women more entertaining. So even when they're right. displaying these right. ne- quote, negative qualities, I'm still like, yeah, but they're pretty funny. Well, I think we think the stuff that the women are into is more trivial. And then I think there's also probably the component of, if you're talking about the real housewives, right, where... If their husbands are the one working there and made most of the money and they're spending the money as opposed to like this man that's like climbing the corporate ladder and is like rewarding himself with a new Rolex. Like, I don't know if that goes into us feeling like those women don't deserve the money that they have. And so when we watch them getting competitive and and buying shit and things like that, we were like, you didn't really earn that. That may be part of it. But I don't know. I think we just don't. I think in general, like, we don't, like, see... You look at, like, Serena Williams. Like, competitive women Mm -hmm. are not often... Like, they're not perceived super well Mm -hmm. at the time. And we like seeing competitive women fail, too. Like, with all the college admission scandals, like, we're only focusing on... Felicity Huffman and Laura Laughlin when like it's this dude who's at the center of it and we barely know anything about him. Mm-hmm. I also got very obsessed with Elizabeth Holmes for a while oh, yeah, because she was so competitive and like watching her fail was like, you know, a cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the same like the same kind of like, oh, my God, look at these people fail is, is not directed at men as much. Yeah. I mean, Hillary Clinton. Oh, oh yeah. no, yes. <laughs> another, oh God, that yes. was another one. Um, I, I don't I don't know if it's the material one is new, though, mm-hmm. because I do remember my mom like going to it was called Longenberger Baskets and they would go to basket parties mm-hmm. and they would buy and it was sort of like she would come home and be like, Ginny has 25 and my dad was like okay (laughs) but why do you need 25 baskets and they're like and I think that exists in sort of like every I mean maybe that was a pyramid scheme too Mm -hmm. that they were being tricked into buying these baskets but I think that that's probably existed forever Mm -hmm. of people trying to collect as much stuff as they can as like a, you know, keeping up with the caveman Joneses. Yeah. yeah the material really thing is feels newer. I mean, not new, but like we see it more. I mean, mm-hmm. social media is just like We also live in Los reel. Angeles. Yes. Which is like the epicenter of people wanting to pretend that owning things is the same thing as making things. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> when I learned L.A. was a car place, like you got to have a nice car. I just didn't 
grow up that way. Like we, I didn't ever care about cars and that people wear sort of their success as their mm-hmm. car. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? That's but damn. you know what's weird? I've actually weirdly come around to that ethos in LA because I get it. Like if in particular, if you like work in entertainment, like so many fucking people in the city do. And it's like, this is, I'm going to make a awful douchebag reference. I'm going to sound like an asshole as a woman. <laughs> oh my God, I can't wait. Okay. If you're like, you've had a meeting at like Soho House and you stand there and they have this very obnoxious ballet system where like everyone stands there and watches yeah. you get into your car. I understand yeah. the urge to want to yeah. get into a nice car. I don't think that that is like wild. I don't think it's super materialistic because people everywhere like really nice cars. So I get with the way LA is set up, the way that you're also like, tricked into thinking that like this is what you need to do in a way that's just like people in New York don't have cars Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's like I think of walking into people's apartments in a way that people in LA like don't come to my house in the same way I don't know yeah but I, I think it I think it depends but I weirdly with the LA thing in the cars I've I'm unfortunately I've really come around to that oh I I got yelled at by a valet Parker yeah. at that exact valet and Tay Diggs watched me get reprimanded for not having my mirror on correctly. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I have a 2007 Saturn, you know, I'm embarrassed. Uh, did he unfollow you on Twitter? Finally, he, you're I, you the know first what? one he's he, unfollowed. He followed me and then unfollowed me. <laughs> Just to make a point. Well, there's, I mean, there's different kinds of competition. There's like the kind of amorphous this is what I should be doing. I don't know why. Nobody told me why, but I'm sensing that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. There's that sort of competition. And then there's like the focused competition where you zoom in on one person and you are like, I'm, you're my enemy or you're my goal or I'm taking you down. You guys are all nodding. So I'm I'm assuming all of you have a story of you fixating on a person or something and, and, and making that a goal. I mean, I find that I'm fixating on a person who has no idea I exist. So I'm just competing with someone who like doesn't know I'm there. And it's just like other comedians. I feel like when I was younger, and I'm trying to get over this now, I would spend so much time on this one person's Twitter and like reading everything and all the jokes. And I was like, oh my God, she's so funny. Like, how can I be this funny? And reading all of her like deadline articles. And it was completely useless. I was wasting time. It made me feel bad. Mm -hmm. And I spent so much time following her and like obsessing over her when I could have been like making myself better or like working on myself. Mm -hmm. Another person that I used to fixate on was, um, my ex. And I had a competition with myself where I was like, I need to get over her faster than she gets over me. Mm -hmm. That's a good competition. (laughs) Did you win? No. Uh, (laughs) I think whoever initiates that competition obviously loses. Yeah. But that is one where I used to like, again, obsessively look at her Instagram and be like, oh, she's happy. She's dating again. But how do you win that competition? You don't win. There's no way. I mean, like the one tangible thing that I do, I mean, I'm a competitive person, but I'm also very much a, I'd like to see the best possible outcome person. So if mm. somebody is like way funnier than me and they sell a show or they get a book published, I'm always like so glad that it exists. I'm like, cause I can't write everything. I can't <laughs> do everything. Like I'm glad that these people who are very talented are doing this shit especially if they're nice people. Mm-hmm. If they're shitty people, I'm not so happy about yeah. it. Yeah. 
I mean, I will say, and I, I guess it's, I don't know if it's exactly competition, but I think it's certainly in the arena. Almost every professional achievement I had has come out of wanting to be like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Like, really? I mean, truly, like mm-hmm. even when I got, um, when I first moved to New York, I had become friends with this person who was a writer and I didn't, I thought he was a good writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all, we know this person and, um, and he, who you can tell us off mic. Yeah, I'll tell you off mic. <laughs> um, and he, he ended up getting a job at like a big site. And I was always like, he's not that much better than me. Yeah. And it made me write more and work harder. Mm-hmm. And then when like I got a, at, when I started working at Jezebel, I was like, I'm at a bigger website than him. <laughs> and, and I mean, like, tr- like if I, I think about now where I describe myself as Seabiscuit, like I have to see someone and it's usually someone who I think is less good than me. Mm-hmm. And then I see them getting ahead of me and I'm like, oh, fuck no. And then it like I tr- I finished there's a script I'd been dwaddling on for months, mm-hmm. like this feature that I've been trying to finish. And I had like a minor career setback a couple weeks ago and I finished that shit in two days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like and so for me, that type of competition is almost the only way I get anything done. But it has been the most useful professional tool for me because all I want and it's mostly like these fucking white guys you know like yeah. I just, it's mostly like I visualize just standing there and like fuck you I am more talented than you and I've known this the whole time yeah but that's the thing about assholes is they never realize they're assholes but like, I don't need yeah I don't need that from them mm-hmm. but I you need like, to imagine it you I need, need to, to imagine it yeah that makes sense um, Megan have you ever fixated on somebody absolutely and- I feel like I have at all times a man I'm fixated on very much in the same way of like I think you suck and like there's someone that I look at how many likes their baby gets because I'm like nobody likes you (laughs) your baby doesn't even get good numbers and like this person gets everything your baby doesn't even get good numbers I mean but that's I've I like analyze those things now because I'm like okay I hate this person but I think other people must hate this person too because oh my god I've done that yes Yes. but then I have um, definitely I have probably two women in my life at all times that I, one I fixate positively and one I fixate negatively. But I think the negative one fixated on me. And so I was like, okay, bitch, I'll fixate on you then. (laughs) And then the other one is my, is my friend who is, I love dearly and at all times is like more successful than me in a way that's like, and so it does keep me being like, oh, I want to be on her level. And she she truly does, like, I guess, inspire me mm-hmm. to work harder. Right. But right. Um, at times, I, I, in our friendship, it was a negative fixation because the rest of my life was in shambles. And so I hated her. Right. Because mm-hmm. she was doing better. It's, it's so interesting how diverse the effect of competition can have on us. Like, it can be so positive. It can be such a positive thing. And it can also be a super negative thing. My competition thing is I will, if I'm on a run... I, I don't run as much as I should, but when I used to run a lot, I would fixate on somebody ahead of me on the path and be like, I'm going to catch you. And like, they don't know that I'm trying to catch them. They're just, they might as well be a lamppost, but I've decided that they're <laughs> going, that I'm going to catch them and I'm going to beat them to a specific point. Um, another thing is uh, when it comes to like fixating on men, I try not to fixate on women in a negative way because I feel like the secret is the the secret that has kept us from rising to the top in part has been the fact that we've been tricked into thinking we need to tear each other down. Mm-hmm. And like, I think when we band together in a way that's positive and not, not stupidly positive, but like mm-hmm. level-headed and positive and pragmatic, I think that we're a lot more powerful than we've ever been before. And we're just kind of discovering that, which is 
super exciting. But I do like to fixate on men. And and I always joke, like there's this one particular person in show business who I'm like, I'm going to take your job. <laughs> like in the back of my head, I'm like, fucking take your job. I have a tattoo of a deer head, like a male deer head on in between my shoulder <laughs> blades on the on my back. And it's partly because, you know, you always see them growing up. It's not because I like the Milwaukee Bucks, although they are a great fun <laughs> team to watch. But it's partly because a deer head is like... When, when you've killed the deer, you hang up the big male yeah. deer head <laughs> in your um, in your living room where I'm from. And in my mind, I like, oh, you want to make him a trophy? I imagine <laughs> that yeah. one day I will like kill the king of the forest <laughs> and hang his head in my living room, which sounds, I, I sound psycho. I sound absolutely, it's not going to be, I'm not going to hang a human head in my house, but that's, it's sort I of like, where I got that. I like, but that is the type of intense, like the intensity of competition that I see men engage in for shit that doesn't matter. Like th- they get very competitive about shit that has no yeah. bearing on anything. Fantasy football. It yeah, is not important. It doesn't matter. And for to <laughs> fixate on it and, and to be that intense about it over things that like could make your life better and are like actual goals. I'm like, that's a good, that's a, that's, that's when you need to be intense. Yeah. Right. You right. don't need to be intense over your, yeah, your fantasy yeah. football team. Well, let's talk about like the way that people get competitive about weddings. Cause that's, a, that's a huge thing. Yeah. I've had people. Just come right out and go, how much are you spending? Whoa. Yeah, and I'm crazy, so I'll always tell people about finance. I just, I think transparency there is great. So I'm like, here's what I'm spending. And then they're like, okay. It happened a lot after Candace's wedding um, on Uh Potomac because she spent $250. (laughs) And then people were like, is that normal? And I was like, I was like, is this one of your friends? But then you (laughs) you and Kara made eye contact. And I'm like, no, (laughs) it's a television. Yeah. Well, and so, but like the the rise of the wedding industry, so much of that competition has come from the say yes to the dresses. Mm -hmm. There's a show called Four Weddings. That show rules. That show is incredible. And it's truly strangers going to each other's weddings yeah. and then ranking them. And Whoa. they go it's on. And then somebody gets a like a luxury honeymoon. honeymoon. Yeah. Oh. And people and have ruthless. found ways to sabotage. And they, they do it by like the dress. They do the food. Yep. They venue. do like the, the venue. They do the decorations. And then so each you rank. So like if we all had four weddings, like I would have to rank your three in that order. And you can't put yourself yeah. in. And then whoever gets the collective highest score. Oh, gets my the God. And they had to put in that ranking system. System because people were, they were like, in, even in the description, they're like, so this is so people can't lowball. Like, yeah, that's, oh it, my God. And they're, and they're ruthless. Yeah. Listeners, I am clutching my face. <laughs> yeah. My favorite is when they're eating and you see them like the chicken is dry and yeah. then the camera zooms in on like the plate of food <laughs> and them just picking at it. And then the bride, and then they cut to the bride who's just like digging into her chicken yeah. and enjoying her day and has no idea all these assholes are talking about her. Oh, a buffet? Wow. Okay. Well, that's points off. Yeah, like I waited in line for 15 yeah, minutes yeah. for the buffet. Oh, man, Megan, I'm sure your wedding is going to be incredible, but I would rather swan dive into an empty pool than have a wedding of my own. God, that sounds <laughs> fucking. I mean, just the competition aspect of it just feels well. Going on four weddings seems terrible. Yeah, and I think it's for delusional people. Okay, I think a lot of TV is probably for delusional people. That's yes. for sure. Let's let's pivot a little bit and talk about a different sort of competition. We're talking about like material competition. We're talking about career competition. Um, I think women a lot of times get pegged as competing with each other for male mates. And that aspect of competition maybe drives the kind of notion that women are catfighting or that women are 
whatever. Um, have you observed, I think, Tian, I want to ask you this question, yes. just because you're uh, <laughs> just the Jane Goodall of straight women <laughs> watching from afar. Uh, no, I just I, I think that because we're all familiar with the kind of straight paradigm of like, oh, women are competing for men. Um, how do you how, how does that change in the LGBT community? Do women compete with each other for women in the same way that women compete with each other for men? Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I spent like all of my early 20s in a cutoff T-shirt with like my side boobs hanging out because I was like, this is the way to get the ladies. <laughs> I bet it worked. <laughs> and it did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's like no difference. We're all making ourselves look as cool and as like, you know, attractive as possible. And people get ruthless. There's like, there's a stereotype of dyke drama. And like, if anyone, if anyone has seen the L word, we've all like dated each other and slept with each other. And there's competition between who's like dating and who's sleeping with each other. It's the same. Okay. It's like, is there a type, you know, like with women and like straight men, it's like the rich, handsome guy that presume like the rich, hot doctor, mm-hmm. all the women are going to, is there like a type of lesbian that is like the most revered that's like a catch-all uh, yeah and i'm i'm gonna i mean i think all of my friends we have such different tastes mm-hmm. um when it comes to like celebrities i feel like that is a, so like a Kristen stewart mm-hmm. is someone people really talk about okay kate blanchett like a like a <laughs> kind kate of like blanchett. a femme daddy no like kate blanchett <laughs> is like such a like wow huge uh, attractive point in the interesting. Yeah, that's Tom I mean, Brady. she is like yeah. ridiculously yeah, attractive. Yes, but that's that's really interesting. Or like a Janelle Monae, like a mm-hmm. femme daddy is like very mm-hmm. hot right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like very okay. yeah. It's interesting. It's also my personal taste. <laughs> <laughs> I think mine too. From yeah. hearing you describe it, I'm yeah, like, I'm yeah like, that sounds awesome. But you know, everyone has a different. I feel like the spectrum of gender presentation amongst queer folks is like... Like, there's not these attributes yeah. that everyone's like, this is like... Yeah, it, no one's like tall, dark, and handsome. You know, yeah, like, yeah. that's not a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You're a member of a community that respects individuality and, <laughs> yeah. allows, and allows people to not not fit into molds and to have tastes that don't fit into molds. <laughs> that sounds glorious. I feel like the... I mean, I feel like when I say drama, it's never like... I haven't experienced personally like any crazy disrespectful or like mm-hmm. gross cattiness. Mm-hmm. Maybe other folks have, but like of my friends and my friend group, I've never seen that. It's interesting. I was reading this article, this Wikipedia article that at times, <laughs> at times felt very misogynist. I, it was insane. <laughs> it was insane. It was about female inter- intrasexual competition. And it's just about the different ways that women compete. And some of it was backed up by, um, by research and others felt like it was backed up by Reddit bo- boards. <laughs> uh, but it did point out different ways that I think men compete the same way, like Kara was pointing out earlier. But it just said that there's a couple different ways that women compete. And one way is to build themselves up. And one way is to tear others down. Um, have you all ever witnessed women attempting to compete with each other by like shit talking? Like, is that something that has become a part of your life? And is it something that you find yourself doing? I guess not with men. I, it's interesting with the the shit talking, I feel like works with other women because I feel like men don't engage. I don't, one, I'm like, are they even listening to me half the time I'm talking to a man? <laughs> I feel like they're not. They're catching 50% of what I'm saying anyway. But I guess I don't see it as often where it's like I, it's this, you know, a guy that I like and there's this other girl. And so I'm going to shit talk her to, to him, him and that's going to change his mind. I feel like... Mm-hmm. 
for what for whatever reason that doesn't really work with men, but certainly within female relationships with each other. So you should talk the man to the woman. Uh, like if I wanted, if I wanted to use that to my advantage. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that, I don't know how that would work. I don't, I I definitely think that that was something I saw a lot when I was younger. So probably like high school, college. Um, but then you sort of evolve, I hope. Mm -hmm. I, I also feel lucky that I never had the same type as any of my close friends. So I felt comfortable shit talking a stranger for sure. Like, I don't know this bitch. I had a really weird situation in college where there was this girl who started dating this guy who I had been dating before. And she, and like, I, I didn't like her for a lot of reasons, mostly because she sort of fell in with a friend group that was my friend group while I was studying abroad. And so I went back and she was there all the time. And I was like, oh, you really used (laughs) that absence. Yeah. And she was shit talking me to like male friends of mine and they would tell me. And he was like, I don't know, he, she called you like the C word the other day. And my, I remember my friend telling me that and he was sort of like, what the fuck is she doing? Oh, he wasn't okay. like, oh, Kara sucks now. Yeah. He was like, why is this rando saying this about you? Right. And then the guy, she ended up actually at a party. She threw it. She poured a beer on me. <gasps> what? Whoa. Yeah. She poured a beer on she you? She poured a beer on me. Just like walked up and. Like, well, in the lead up, I may or may not have knocked a drink out of her hand. But <laughs> I, I did not, because she was like yelling at me. Yeah. Yeah. She's screaming at me. And so I like knocked her drink out of her hand, um, which is not the same as spilling. And I walked no. away. And so then she like chases me through this like frat. And I rem- and I was like trying to leave. And I went into this room and I closed the door to like grab my stuff. And I open it. And when I when I opened the door to leave, she was shaking up the beer <gasps> no. and like poured it on my head. Oh, that's- and here's the other thing. This dumb bitch. She, <laughs> I was at the time. So many of my girlfriends, I was friends with like all of these girls on the rugby team. And I was like, if I had told them later and they were like, oh, we might have killed her if they had been there. Uh, Yeah. They were like, because when I told them, they were all so mad about it. And I was like, had they been at that, had my, I was by myself. So I was like, oh, had my friends been at the party, they might have, like someone would have gotten injured. I like shoved her off of me and then just left because I'm like, bitch, I'm not, I'm not fighting you. Certainly not over this dude who has become nothing worth fighting over yeah. <laughs> wasn't worth it then isn't worth it now yeah, yeah. you and know you're, you're talking about the, I'm, I'm sorry I, I was just I gonna say know. it just reminded me of like competing with friends is or competing with like acquaintances and a group of friends is like one thing and holy shit the beer getting party that's crazy no it was it's one of the craziest things that has ever happened to me and it makes me so mad that it was over someone who was like not worth it yeah not they're worth never, it they're never worth it they're never worth it they always are a proxy for something else yeah, that you're pretend you're putting it on them. I, you know, one thing that I've found to be difficult. This isn't this isn't true in my current relationship, but um, when you're with somebody who you find yourself competing with, like Megan, you're with somebody who is also working in comedy, mm-hmm. and you guys have a thing that seems very functional. I mean, I, who can who can say for sure? <laughs> that, but you guys have partnered We've on got things. Some healthy, yeah. We have some healthy competition. Right, but we're totally. Li- we're boosting. I've had unhealthy competition in relationships um, who they also did the same thing. So I do feel like I have an eye for it now. Yeah, I mean, what did that look like? It looked like, you know, I would get, I would get stuff when we, gosh, this was two relationships. When we started dating, I, they were more successful. And then through the course of the relationship, I, you know, got things that sort of like 
let me leapfrog them. And at the beginning, it's flowers and oh my God. And then it turns into like, why are you doing that? Well, you shouldn't do like very much controlling what I'm going to do. But then I'm like, yeah, but they were so happy for me when I got this other thing. And so it's confusing. And it's also someone you love. So you're like, well, they must have my best interest at heart. But really, there's just they're struggling with their own insecurities. And I mean, that's probably whenever someone doesn't like you, man, woman, anything, people are like, they're jealous. And like, you don't want to go there to be like, everyone's jealous of me. That has to be what it is. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when there's not really any other thing, it's pretty transparent that it that it is insecurities and jealousy. Mm -hmm. I had a relationship with somebody um, a while ago who was very successful in his career. And he like among the, you know, he's great. He was doing great. And he was um, kind of threatened by me just going, I, I was a blogger at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. And he was sort of threatened by me becoming more prominent in the kind of crossover t- between blogging and comedy. And it was so it was strange. Mm-hmm. It was, it was at the time I was like, I don't understand. And you feel like you did something wrong. And then when we were about to break up, he <laughs> compared me to the voice from her you know, (laughs) you're like the voice from her. Like you just, you just, nothing is ever going to satisfy you. You're always good. But but I thought I'm flattered by that. You mean mean I keep growing indeterminately? Well, thank you, sir. Um, But it's, you know, it's, it's hard. Um, And I think that men sometimes have a difficult time processing a woman who is, who they're in love with, who they're romantically involved with, who um, is somebody who maybe threatens them. Have you experienced intra-relationship competition, Tian? My my first partner, like girlfriend at the time, um, we were kind of similarly in the same area and we worked together for the first time. And that was really, really a bad, <laughs> a bad, bad choice. And it was hard. I think it's the same thing. It's, I think, just like if anyone that you're very close with, if you feel like you're in competition with them, I think it like puts a strain on the relationship. If you're not emotionally mature enough to distance yourself from it, to be like, I need to check my own insecurities. Mm-hmm. I think like one of the hardest things I had to learn kind of more recently and that I'm trying to get better at is that the, and it's mostly towards women, but women that I like am jealous of have ended up becoming some of my closest friends because of that, because I was like very inspired by their comedy. And so I was kind of checking myself and be like, oh, my God, I can't do what they do. But now they're like truly my closest friends. And I think that's a hard lesson to learn is that like competition between people that are very close to you, be it partners or like family members or friends can be healthy if you get to a point where you've like conquered some of your insecurities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I can't remember who said this to me, but some uh, a woman I look up to uh, once said that women tend to sleep with people that they want to be mm-hmm. before they before they realize that's what they're doing. And I've found that that's like, I, I guess a kind of weird iteration of competition. It's like, I want to learn how to be you. So I'm going to fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it into me. <laughs> um, well, we're running out of time for this conversation, but I want to go around the table 
and highlight some of our most favorite competitive women. I think that competitive women get a bad rap, um, but they deserve to be celebrated. So I guess I can start. Um, My favorite competitive women are like female marathoners. (laughs) Whenever I need to like get my emotions like moving, I'll look at a video of Dina Castor, who's a American marathoner. Um, I'll pull up a video of Dina Castor winning the bronze medal (laughs) at the Athens Olympics in, I think, 2004. She entered the um, Olympic Stadium for her final lap, and she didn't realize she was in third place. And on the video, you can see her hearing her name being announced and realizing she's about to medal at the Olympics and sobbing. And it's like, she's so inspirational. I love watching... American American, uh, female marathoners, uh, international female marathoners, I just think it's so fun to watch them kind of reach the end of the competition. And then also at the finish line, marathoners are the absolute best. They (laughs) hug each other. I mean, it's just like a flood of endorphins. So it doesn't matter if you're finishing first or if you're finishing like, you know, a thousand and first. Everybody is Mm -hmm. like so positive. And it's like as soon as you cross the finish line, it's like we did it, we competed and now it's done. And now we're happy that we finished it. So those are my favorite competitors are like female marathoners. Um, Okay, who wants to go next? I'll go. Um, my favorite female competitors are, are the entire U.S. women's national team. <laughs> Soccer? Soccer. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. They, mm-hmm. they are called the U.S. women's national team. They don't need a sport to... Because they're that good. <laughs> they're that good. They are the U.S.'s team. Uh, we're coming into... It's World Cup this year, right? Mm-hmm. Who are some of your faves that you're excited about? <sighs> I'm really excited about Megan Rapino. She's uh, one of the out players on the team, and she's been on the team for almost a She's been on forever. She's been on for a very long time. Her I'm very excited for. There are some younger players that are very good. Tobin Heath and uh, Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino are um, the front three that are going to be very exciting to watch. Oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah. I can't wait. That, the Women's World Cup is so positive. Oh, it's, it's my favorite. <laughs> it's fun. Okay, Megan, who are your favorite female competitors? Serena is obviously one of them. I love Serena. I've talked about her on their this podcast before. I think she's incredible. I know she lost this week, but she'll be back better than ever. Um, <laughs> I love Cheryl Miller. Uh, we think of her as like Reggie's older sister. <laughs> yeah. She's considered like the one woman who probably very much could have played in the NBA. Like that's how incredible she was. And she used to beat Reggie all the time. Um, and I love Jeannie Buss, who's going through a tough time. Um, she's the owner of the Lakers. But I just love these women that are like in these very, very, very male dominated things. And are badasses and people really talk about Jeannie just like she is a is an owner and not like she is the daughter of someone who gave her the team um and I think some of that is because she had a relationship with Phil Jackson and so she like earned this respect kind of by maybe getting fucked um <laughs> but no she, she did it she slept she, she, she did I it. mean but she's higher than him right. I mean he was a coach and then a president and she's an owner <laughs> and I just think she's a badass and I really hope they turn it around <laughs> all right Kara um I mean I have to I'll be repetitive and say Serena but my favorite thing about Serena's competitive nature is that she is so outward with it in a way that Mm -hmm. um, a lot of in in the way that men are. And like you obviously saw that like last year at Wimbledon and like she has been that way all the time. And she's like, I want to win. That is the point of this. And like since she was a child, which, you know, 
the way that was instilled with her is questionable. But like <laughs> she she is not happy when she loses. Why would she be? Yeah. Which is my favorite thing about her when she when she's lost and she's there and she's fucking pissed. And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. yes, of course. Why? Because men do you see like the the post interviews from men in the NBA when they're like little whiny babies about it. And we mm-hmm. don't we're like, yeah, well, they're just like really into the competition. Um, but also I this is, I, be, I feel like these both sound so obvious, but I'm going to say Beyonce because I think at this point she is someone who is only competing with herself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like really, like I think when she, like you can tell with her where it's like she's, dr- I mean, you could argue maybe like Prince and Michael Jackson mm-hmm. that she's trying to sort of like establish her legacy next to those people. But I think one, they're dead now. Um, so <laughs> she just, everything that she's doing, I'm like, she's only just trying to one-up herself Mm -hmm. because there's no one else in her space who you're reasonably right now, like, oh, they're better than her. And Mm so there is something to like, I'm just trying to be better than me every time that I think, um, you know, there's unfortunately not a ton of women who have been in that position. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I appreciate about that about her and that she keeps actually trying to be better. Right. And I think that's a great note to end on because... The healthiest competition that we can have is an honest one with what we have done and what we know we're capable of doing Mm -hmm. and trying to bridge that gap in a way that doesn't involve other people, doesn't involve shit talking, even though shit talking is really fun, (laughs) Um, doesn't involve like, you know, competing over men or buying more Chanel bags. It's all about what you know that you're capable of doing and what you've already done and just, you know, Beyonce it. Beyonce, yeah. Easy. (laughs) Easy. No problem. Just Beyonce. (laughs) All right. Well, we have to take a break. But when we come back, more hysteria. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. All right, this week I'm delighted to welcome Rebecca Nagel to the podcast. Thank you for being in studio. Yeah, like, thanks so much for having me. In the flesh. We always <laughs> love having new people come into the yeah. squad, and I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, Rebecca, in case our listeners don't know, is the host of the forthcoming This Land podcast, which is a serialized story of government lies, two murders, and Native people's ongoing struggle to retain their rights. I've listened to the first episode. It's so good. A little background on Rebecca. Rebecca is a citizen of the Cherokee Nation and a two-spirit or queer woman. Nagel is a community organizer and writer living in Tahlequah. Oklahoma. I just listened to episode one and Rebecca, it is so good. And I'm <laughs> so excited to talk to you about it. 
Um, so why don't you give people who aren't familiar a brief overview of what this land is and how it came to be? Yeah, so it's the story of one really unique Supreme Court case um, that will impact the future of five tribes and half the land in Oklahoma. And so um, it actually started with a small town murder in 1999. Creek citizen killed another Creek citizen. And his uh, in his appeal, he argued that the murder happened on his tribe's reservation. Um, and therefore, the state of Oklahoma didn't have jurisdiction to prosecute him. But the state of Oklahoma says that that reservation no longer exists. And so that's the issue in front of the Supreme Court that they are going to decide on any week, whether or not Muscogee Creek Nation still has a reservation and potentially by extension, five tribes in Oklahoma. Yeah, it's it's crazy. As I was listening to it, it it sounds like the beginning of a John Grisham novel, but like with real stakes, like you don't have to imagine how big this is. This is half the land in Oklahoma that could actually not technically belong to who the government insists it belongs to. Yeah. And so, I mean, it sounds like a really odd circumstance, but it's actually not that unusual for state and local governments to not recognize the land that legally belongs to tribes. And so Oklahoma argues that actually like in the early 1900s, when Oklahoma became a state by its creation our reservations were abolished. Um, but Congress actually never did that. And that's uh, really the key of the issue or the sort of crux of the issue is whether or not the Supreme Court is going to follow not just uh, established law, but its own precedent and what the Supreme Court has said, like when a reservation exists, when a reservation doesn't, or are they going to bow to the really powerful interests that are also in this case, which is not just the state of Oklahoma, but also oil and gas and the Trump administration. Yeah. And, you know, it was interesting as I was listening to this and, and reading about it, it seems like the sort of case that would have been very big locally, like people would know about a small town murder in a place like Oklahoma. I'm from a rural area, too. And anytime anybody kills anybody, it is a huge deal um, in the area where this case originated. Did anybody have any idea it would be as huge as it has become? I don't think so. I mean, I think that the murder had um, a really big impact on Vernon, which is a really small community um, in eastern Oklahoma. But outside of Vernon, even just local news coverage of the murder back from 1999 and the trial in 2000 is very sparse. And so people really didn't start talking about this case until it got into the federal courts. Okay. And what's your family's personal connection to this story? Yeah. And so um, I have a really personal connection to the land, the Cherokee land that's at stake in this case. So my ancestors were treaty signers. And so um, when my tribe came to Oklahoma and the land that was promised to us in Oklahoma, my family signed that treaty. Okay. And that land obviously is now the subject of this big Yes. And so, yeah. And so when my, you know, when my ancestors signed that treaty, our land in Oklahoma was promised to us as long as the waters run and the grass grows. And like so many other promises made to tribes, that promise was not kept. And so if the Supreme Court upholds our treaty rights this summer, you know, the land that my ancestors died for could be recognized as Cherokee land by the state of Oklahoma for the first time in 100 years. Wow. Given the makeup of the Supreme Court right now, how do you feel like this is going to go? Ooh, 
so I mean, see, here's the thing. Like we're all I think a lot of us are passingly familiar with basic tenets of Supreme Court members beliefs. But when it comes to Native American treaty rights, it's actually really different. Yeah, than, like it's, it's, it's not, not as common. Yeah, it's not this clear. So two people on the Supreme Court that are not what people would expect when it comes to Native rights are Gorsuch and Ginsburg. And so Gorsuch is actually pretty good um, on Native rights. So when he was nominated, he was endorsed by like the National Congress of American Indians. Like he's um, cited on treaty rights and several cases that he sat on so far. And then um, Ginsburg is not a reliable ally when it comes to Native rights. And so her just general voting record is pretty bad. And then she also authored a decision in a Supreme Court case called Cheryl, um, which is about a really similar question about um, the treaty rights of a tribe in New York State and whether or not those treaty rights still apply to their land. And so she offered a decision where the answer was no. Hmm. And so um, that's worrisome. Um, What's interesting about this case is that Gorsuch actually dealt with the case back when it was on the 10th Circuit. So he has recused himself. And so um, we could have a split decision, which would be a 4-4 decision. And in that case, the tribe actually wins because they won in the lower court. And then the lower court's decision would be affirmed. So the tribe wins if there's a 4-4 decision, if there's a 5-3 decision. And then, um, yeah, so we need need Ginsburg. We need the four liberal justices to stay together. That's really interesting. So, but other, other, other than Ginsburg, for the most part, they're ideologically aligned in the ways that we would predict when it comes to Native rights. Yeah. I mean, Sotomayor is awesome. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think that one thing that's interesting about Native American rights in general is that it doesn't follow strict party lines. You know, Mm -hmm. like two congressmen from my state are, you know, two of the four Native people in Congress, and they're both Republican. And so, you know, but like people like Tom Cole are great champions of tribal sovereignty in Congress. And Mm -hmm. so I think that, um, yeah, it's interesting. I think the other thing that's really interesting about this case is that, and we get into this in episode two, is that there was an almost identical case that came in front of the Supreme Court just a few years ago in 2016. And it was this question of whether or not um, a tribe's reservation, you know, the reservation wasn't being recognized by the state and by the local city. And the question was whether or not the Omaha tribe in Nebraska still had a reservation. And the tribe won in a unanimous decision. Like even people like Thomas voted for the tribe. But the thing about it is that that area is, you know, a rural town in Nebraska. It's not half the state of Oklahoma, an area with vast oil and gas reserves and a place where 1.8 million people live. And so I I think that that's kind of the crux of the case is whether or not the Supreme Court is going to follow their own rulings, their own Mm -hmm. standards, the way that they decide these cases, or if they're going to kind of really listen to the white fears about, you know, what it would mean for this land to be Indian country. Right. And the decision, the Supreme Court decision can come down any day on this. And that was like the craziest thing is I was like, you've put in so much work to this. like, uh-huh. And this is based on work that you've done previously in a written form. And this is like the culmination of so much work. And it's about to be decided one way or another. How do you prepare for the surprise <laughs> episode that you're going to have to report on? Because I was oh, like, man. oh, God, poor Rebecca. <laughs> just, just, like it was, it's, it's like election night where you're like, well, I got to write two different versions of this. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, the way this series lays out, I mean, we do kind of lay out the arguments and the stakes of the case in the first few episodes. And then we kind of zoom 
out and go back in time and tell the story of my family and really kind of like how we got here. So, you know, you understand the case and then you have to understand a lot of history and a lot about our tribes to understand how this moment happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, every every Monday I'm on the Supreme Court blog hitting refresh. <laughs> So one of those days, if you have, if you need to like take, let some steam off, one of my favorite things to do is go to SCOTUS blog and look at the replies. Oh yeah. The dialogue is so good. People think that it's the actual justices tweeting and it is, it's really, really (laughs) funny. Yeah. Um, So one more question. I wish we had more time to talk because there's so much to talk about. Um, So one of the purposes of the of the podcast, it seems, is to elevate this story and to magnify voices of Native people and the plight of Native people. Um, why do you think it's really important right now for Native people to be heard and listened to and um, respected? Yeah, I would say that um, the form of racism that Native people are dealing with in the United States right now is invisibility. You know, it's like we survived genocide. We have survived assimilation to live in a country in 2019 that pretends like we no longer exist. And it it permeates everything that we fight for with Native rights. You know, I mean, we like lawmakers and justices have the same amount of ignorance about Native rights as the general public. You know, when our rights are being violated, there's little to no public outrage. I mean, people don't know. Like one analogy I use a lot, it is like, it would be like if I was trying to talk to somebody about feminism and they would be like, you know what? It's so messed up that you can't vote. And I'd be like, well, I appreciate that you feel that way, but that's like what the issue was about a hundred years ago. (laughs) And a lot has happened since then. Right. And there's just this cliff where people People's understanding of um, tribes and Native people drops off circa 1890, and mm-hmm. there's no general knowledge about the past 130 years of our history. We're we're constantly historicized, and so um, yeah, I mean, we can't we can't have rights in this country if people don't understand basic basic stuff about tribal sovereignty who contemporary native people are mm-hmm. um and how our tribes function and just how like what legal rights even look like for native people mm-hmm. well rebecca thank you so much for all the work that you're doing for those purposes and for the podcast i cannot wait to like listen to every single episode and thank you for being here today and i hope this isn't the last time we speak in person because this was great i know thank you so much for having me all right good luck until next time thanks episode one of this land is now available on itunes and wherever you get your podcasts new episodes drop every monday All right, we're back. I've got Kara, Megan, and Tien, and we are going to listen to a listener hill to die on. Let's go. Hi, I'm Brittany calling from Indianapolis, and the hill I'll die on is that onions should not be a default ingredient in most foods, and especially not undisclosed. They shouldn't be on sandwiches. They shouldn't be on pizza. They shouldn't be in salads unless the person asks for them. (laughs) Give people the option whether to ruin their food or not. Their onions are easy to add, but impossible to get rid of. Oh, and also they smell like armpits. Thanks. Oh, wow. oh my God. Hard disagree. No, this is a this is an Indianapolis thing. I was okay. even, also, can I just sounds like we know the color of this individual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm like all of the flavor from food comes from onions. onions. I, don't, I don't know. I'm a I'm a big garlic and shallot user. 
I mean, I mean that's basically it's the same thing. Yeah, same, same family. Thing. I just yeah. like when my fingers smell like uh, garlic. And garlic <laughs> I agree and onions. with the salads thing, though. I think like a big chunk of red onion you can take off, but sometimes it's like minced. It to- says here's yeah. a, it says it. What restaurants is she going to? Yeah. where they're not listing what's in the food. <laughs> Like, it's a surprise. Like, it's sweet green. It says there's red onions in the guacamole green yeah. salad. It's not sweet green when you're going in to Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> at Panera, there is... I don't know if they're listing it. Because, you know what? Yesterday, I was at Panera, and I got the modern Greek, which I love. And I had to ask no onions, no olives, just because I've had it before, and I know that they're in there. Why would you order a Greek yeah, salad yeah, without yeah, onions? That's, that's like because I don't Greek... like onions and olives. Well, just order a pile of you've feta. Ne- you've never liked onions? I'll no, I'm I've come around on onions, but I do <sighs> so think good. maybe yeah, maybe this is a white Indiana thing and okay. This I'll is, die on that hill with you, girl. Here's something I think of an important differentiation because I think cooked within food, onions Fine. are essential. I need it. I think that raw onions on top of things are should be on the side. Disagree. Like, I, I think raw I think a, like a raw onion, unless it's like listed as part of it or you like know it's part of it, but like a raw onion, sometimes I don't want to have onion breath. It doesn't have anything to do with me liking it or not. It's just like I don't want my mouth to smell like What this. sandwich has raw onions on it? That's my Hamburgers. question. A burger, but I like it on that. Yeah, I like it on that too. I like so, a so one type of sandwich. What's one other type of sandwich that like has maybe raw like a grilled, on it? maybe like a fancy grilled cheese, or like a has, turkey like sandwich. A, there's so onions, many onion really? jams yeah. now happening. But that's cooked onion. Yeah. yeah, I'm a huge fan of pickled onions too. I'm just I love a pickled let's onion. Let's do a just whole throw. onion episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually don't think onions smell like armpits. I think armpits smell like onions. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay. On that note, <laughs> let's start with our our. Our hills. Um, I'm going to start with mine. Um, I'm about to go on vacation, and this is something that I always think about, like ranting about, and then forget about. And now I'm like, it's fresh in my mind. Bathing suit sizing is insane. It is insane. As I'm shopping for a bathing suit, small, medium, large, but I'm shopping for a bra and there's like 50 million different sizes of bras. Like why would my boobs be fine in an S, M or L versus like, I need, I need like a, I need like a laser measure to determine exactly what bra will successfully hold my tits up. I can't deal with, and also like bikini tops. How are you doing a small, medium and large in bikini tops? Oh, really? I have this. Oh, the band size means that my boobs boobs are that exact proportionate size to the band in S? No, I need a band size and a cup size. And I need like, if we're doing one pieces, like how, who are you to assume that my torso is the same length as everybody else's and that my boobs won't change the torso length. That I, I hate bathing shoes, bathing shoes. Oh, I hate it so much. I, it's, it's even like sports bra sizing makes more sense. I can go to a store and buy a sports bra. That's like, this is for this, these cup sizes. And this is a small cool. I can do that. But like a bathing suit, that is a size small is just never <laughs> no like it barely it it, oh, it makes me it makes me homicidal <laughs> it makes me hom- I, I like have ordered I've gone to this like kind of cheapy online store which usually has like pretty decent clothes, like cute on trend mm-hmm. clothes. It's ASOS. Yeah, I, knew I was it just was. gonna be like, I knew it was. I, is girls this ASOS? <laughs> it's ASOS. And I and I did the thing where I was like, you know what? I'm going to order only bathing suits that come in specific cup sizes and I'm going to order like 10 of them and then I'm going to treat my my living room like a you know try on room and I did it and 
literally nothing, literally nothing <laughs> fit. And it's like, and, and they all fit in different wrong ways. Fucking get your shit together. <laughs> Bathing suit manufacturers. That's the hill that I'll die on. I think this is the thing I'm most adamant about in the world. Wow. Yeah. No, more. There's <laughs> no, that's all right. it. <laughs> all right. This is, I'm fucking heated. Um, all right. Who wants to go next? I'll go. Um, I think we talk a lot about a different, uh, lots of different types of hair and where it is. Something that I don't think we talk enough about and what we need to do with it is nipple hair. Oh, okay. Mm. And see, that's the thing. See, it's like, I don't know if I'm the only one, but then I talk to people and they're like, I have nipple hair. I have such thick hair. And people are like, oh, your hair's so pretty. And it's like, yeah, listen, you're not getting this hair without some strays other places. <laughs> and I just want us to start talking about it and normalizing that hair grows a lot of different places um, and some of it is on your nipples and you have to tweeze it all the time and it really hurts. Oh, man. You're tweezing Ooh. it? Yeah, what else am I supposed to do? I Shay, no, that's the thing. There's no, but like, I need someone to talk to me about this. You can't shave your nipples. I don't know if you can because it's a shoot laser. Probably not. I'm just tweezing it. Does it grow? Yes, it it grows back. Oh, well, yes, but like, (laughs) what if you just, what if you just let it go? I, I, I I could, but I honestly like don't feel right. Like, it may be to the point where like I have more than CJ, you know, (laughs) and then it's like, you know, I made a mistake of falling in love with a Filipino man because very minimal hair, but then I have more nipple hair than him. Oh Oh my God. I just like felt a twinge of pain thinking about tweezing Uh, it. Okay. Well, maybe this is more a cry for help. So (laughs) if you guys have ideas, let me know. (laughs) Okay. On that note, Kara, um, I continue. I may have said this once on if there are any cross key bit listeners, but <laughs> I'm sure there are. I remain convinced that bird scooters were created by the fucking devil. Mm-hmm. I hate them so much. In particular in LA. I was in Paris in February. Ooh. I saw people riding bird scooters, you know, where I didn't see them in the middle of the goddamn street. I didn't see them strewn across the sidewalk for me to step over. I saw people at some goddamn manners and some (laughs) self-respect and enough respect for their city to put them somewhere convenient and not in people's front yards. None of you deserve these scooters because you don't know how to treat them well. I'm at the point where, honestly, I'm going to start taking them and putting them in dumpsters. I don't (laughs) care. I don't care. I hate them so much. Why are you parking them on sidewalks? Also, this idea that they were going to be like an alternative to transportation. Like, oh, what if someone lives a mile from the bus stop? No one is doing that. We live in Los Angeles. Almost all these people have cars. You know who's using them? Awful teenagers. Those are the only people. And they're riding two at a time. And I'm like, I'm going to push you into traffic. If I didn't think I would end up in prison, I would do it. <laughs> I hate them. They're awful. They suck. I hate them. <laughs> and they're not convenient for anyone. Yeah. And you know who's a you know who loves a bird scooter? One John Lovett. <laughs> I've seen him on one. Oh, you have? I've never stepped foot on one. Did you photograph him? No, I didn't, but he told because he was sort of like, I can't believe you're seeing. It was like one of those. <laughs> oh, he didn't want you. Um, but he, yeah. Oh my I god. I just can't believe the Parisians have I know figured it out before we have. I, I mean, mean, they're still on smoking and they yeah, haven't figured I'm like, out how to do it. If they handle, can right? do it, we have to be able to I do it. I didn't see any I only saw people on them. Like I legitimately don't know where where they put them, but I did not ever see them 
just like oh. certainly not in the like I live I live right off of Fairfax so to be fair I live near the youths mm-hmm. there's a ton, are, of, yeah, that's a ton of that is a ton of but they'll just I will just be walking down the sidewalk and it is fully blocking the middle of the sidewalk now yeah. there are so many kinds too there are like two yeah, types of scooters the, now the ones you can sit on oh Have yeah those little those? the little bike what? ones yeah the little bike ones that are motorized yeah and and because they ride them on the sidewalk. Yeah, like yeah. that's the pro- like you should have to be in traffic mm-hmm. in the bike lane. Yeah, yeah. with helmets. Yeah. I hate yeah. that they don't wear helmets. I know. I'm I'm actually legitimately I'm shocked that someone hasn't died. Yeah, I think somewhere someone has died. Someone, brought, but that it hasn't been like a a bigger news story. Because- I think big scooters burying it. They're getting out in front of the scooter. scooter. <laughs> Big scooters. They must be. Burying the stories of all the scooter deaths. All right. That's a that's a respectable hill. Yeah. I'll die on that with you, uh, with or without a helmet. Tien, what's the hill you'll die on? Well, this hill, I've already mentioned it. And since we're talking about competition and I'm obsessed, I do think that the U.S. Women's National Team <laughs> is the best team in the history of team sports, better than the Bulls, better than the Miracle on Ice. Wow. I just think, what about the gymnasts? But, oh, <gasps> Okay, you've challenged me there, but I'm gonna stand. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna stand strong. I think the U.S. Women's National Team has done a lot for women's team sports, from like their '99 inception of Mia Hamm, Michelle Akers, and Brandi Chastain to today. They have done a lot for women's team sport. I'm very excited about <laughs> talking about this. But in the '99 World Cup, when they first did it, they didn't think that these women would sell out the stadiums, and they sold out every single one of their games. They sold out the Rose Bowl for the World Cup. So this is my one woman crusade, just to make sure that everyone watches the Women's World Cup this year. The U.S.'s team's first game is um, next Tuesday. Okay. At 12 p.m. against <laughs> Thailand, please watch it. How's their group? Their look, their group. I think they'll make it past their group. Yeah, it's going to oh. be with like Chile and Sweden. So I think okay. Sweden will probably be their most difficult. That team is actually quite good, mm-hmm. um, but I think they'll make it past their group and um, into the next stages. So who are their biggest competition? Like when they get France? France. It's, Fr- since really? It's, yeah, France. It's, it's being held in France, and France is very good. Huh. Mm. Uh, France is very good. Japan is very good. Brazil is always good. Um, it'll is be, Canada any good? Canada's very good. Yeah, they're okay. really good. Um, oh, the are, English team is very good, too. There's oh, like a fun. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun World Cup. Are they um, being paid better now? So they have been able to uh, raise the amount, like FIFA has agreed to double the amount of mm-hmm. winnings for whoever wins the World Cup, but it's still like significantly less than the men's World Cup. Um, and this is why I love this team is because they've always been kind of like, they've taken political stances in ways that other national teams have not or teams in general in sports. Um, they have like, they had one of the first openly gay soccer players on their team. Um, they have many now and they also have sued FIFA and the U S federation for gender equality and pay. Um, they're a great team. They're Jeez. not getting paid enough. They also, anytime the men, when the men lose, they get paid more than when the women win. Uh, and the women have won three World Cups now. FIFA do, sucks. Do you think Carrie Struggs is going to come in here and fight you? <laughs> Simone Biles. Okay. I she mean, just, I know. She yeah. just became the you're first right. woman to medal, I think, win a gold in every event in the those world. Were, those two. Or those world, two, first American. You're right. I, no, no, no. But I mean, like, and they, there's room for everyone. But yeah. those two, I will say, those two um, teams, Olympic teams, like yeah. the, the, were they the Five, like Dominique, Dominique Dawes. Dominique Dawes, yeah. Dominique Mochianu, two Dominique went down yes. to Georgia. Like Carrie Struggs, her little hop. And then the last Olympic team were like yeah. unbucking believable. Yeah. They were. Yeah. It's, it's tumbling. Fun. Oh, Queens. 
Simone Biles, how is she a person? Simone, how is she? She's so good. She's I, so in love too. I hope Simone Biles legit like I if there's any justice in the world, she needs to go down as like a top ten athlete oh, yeah. period. ever, ever, ever. Period. And it's like she and Serena and like it, whatever the way that there are so few women that people give like credence to the way that they do with men but the two of them I think could like people will legitimately be like yes they are mm-hmm. ever to do yeah. anything and Allie Reisman an incredible gymnast and yeah. activist yeah. Yeah. fucking took a monster down very much not on her own but was definitely like spearheaded that yeah, yeah. I mean I said this before on the pod but like Definitely don't fuck with women in general, but like also don't target women whose entire life has been (laughs) teaching them how to deal with pain, adversity, and just keep going. Gymnasts, (laughs) what are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing? They're going, they are going to outlast you. They are going to keep going until you are completely ground into dust. And we saw it happen. And it what happened should not have happened. You should watch the documentary on HBO if you haven't already. It's heart-wrenching, but also just like, wow extremely do not do not mess with gymnasts at all. <laughs> okay, I guess there's room for the gymnasts. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all the time we have for this episode of Hysteria. Thank you to Kara Brown for stopping by from Keep It. Thank you to Megan and Tien for being perfect per usual. And thanks to <laughs> Alyssa Master Monaco for calling in and talking about the news. There will be more Hysteria for you next week. Get your gun Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 